Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. So regular listeners to this show know how I feel about the Beatles song, Love is All You Need. Almost every couple loves and is in love with their partner on their wedding day. But the first year of marriage is notoriously tough, even if a couple live together first. Now, obviously, more than love is necessary to smooth out the rough spots. And creating a healthy, happy marriage that lasts shouldn't just be left up to chance or the ebb and flow of loving feelings that living together 24-7 can bring. So what else is needed to keep your marriage humming along? Well, I'm joined by marriage blogger Keely Reason to talk about some common mistakes married couples make. So Keely, thanks for being on the show and talking about, you know, I mean, I think people get, you know, you hear that marriage is supposed to be hard. And so <laughs> when stuff gets tough, it's like, oh, we're doing it right. But you actually um, wrote a post titled Eight Mistakes Married Couples Make. So I want to talk about what those are. So let's just jump in with two of them, which in my mind seem related. And you know, managing money like they're still single and taking on too much debt. And we know that issues around finances are one of the two major struggles that couples have. So what's going on with these two things and how do they and, and how do they cause problems? You know, I got married very young, so we didn't have a ton of debt when we got married. We tried really hard not to, mm -hmm. um, and we didn't have like our set ways. But now that we have been older and we see people getting married later in life mm -hmm. and they've got a lot of student loans, they have their own accounts. They've been running them separately for a long time. It's causing issues in their marriage. Oh, yeah. And, you know, for one, I see people because money does kind of bring power, I see couples sort of having a very difficult time letting go of the power or control of their money. So they want to just keep the account separate. Yep. And especially, you know, like you were saying, even if they live together. So that's another big thing. If a couple lived together before they got married, the chances are they probably didn't combine the finances. They maybe just split like, you know, the money, how it was designated in the house, well, you'll pay the light bill and you'll do that. This mm -hmm. is all good and fine until you're building a family and one of you doesn't have access to money and funds like you used to, because probably one of you is going to stop working to take care of kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing I see besides that sort of issue is that w when you think this is my money, it's in my account and I'm going to spend it like that, then you don't necessarily bring your spouse into the decision mm -hmm. and they may not be okay with spending the money on something. And you think, well, whatever, I'll just spend my money. It's my money, right? right? It's my money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So spend. Um, which is fine when you're dating. That's fine. It's your money. You are not married, but once you get married, I feel like you have to flip that switch. 
Yeah, and it and it can be a really hard one to flip because I mean I, I see that a lot. I see that you know as and, and and the discussion of your money and my money, and I'm going. There's not a state in the United right. States that looks at it that way when you're married. But okay, right. um, and I think and I think that comes as a surprise. But but you know you're right, and you talk about debt, um, and that's another issue. And, and and especially if people have their finances separate. They don't necessarily, they might not know what's going on with the other person. Yeah. And, you know, that's the difficult thing. So um, I think a lot of couples don't see it like this, but when you get married, you inherit each other's debt. Mm-hmm. So all the decisions that you've made leading up to getting married, you know, now you are basically saddling your spouse with whatever debt you chose to take on, um, which that's one thing that you maybe can't really reverse that. But then I see people who get married, they start taking on a ton of debt for other reasons. Maybe their wedding, mm-hmm. maybe their honeymoon. Um, and I got to be honest with you, like my husband and I don't have tons of fun, mon- money fights necessarily, but we do not agree on how to pay off debt. <laughs> like whenever we've had debt, which has not been real often, mm-hmm. um, we just have a different idea of where the priority should be and having a lot of debt ends up causing couples to fight because now they don't have enough money to pay that off, but they're still acting like, you know, like they do. Yeah. And, and, and the one thing that I know is that money, and you mentioned it about money being about power because money's never about the dollars and cents. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the easy thing. But you're talking, but you are, you're talking about priority and, you know, and what and how to have those conversations and, you know, what, what should we be spending money on? And, you know, other than, yes, it wouldn't it be great if, if we could do these things. And so people will go into debt to do them that maybe they don't necessarily think about the long-term ramifications for. And yeah, it just, it becomes just a problem especially if you um, took on a lot of debt or even early on as a couple are taking on a lot of debt and you think you can handle it. I'm telling you, the minute you throw a child or raising Mm. kids financially into your marriage, all of a sudden you just do not have the income that you used to have. And so there is forethought there that you cannot possibly know how much a child cost the rate until you start having them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It, it, it is. Yeah. The whole thing about children, it's like they change everything, you know, and, really do. And, and, and people don't really spend a whole lot of time thinking about that. So I do want to continue though with, um, you know, your eight things. And so much, you know, so much, how couples handle money is, is a huge one. And then you talk about two other ones that again, I also kind of think as being related, trying to change each other big mistake and fighting over small things. So what do you think's going on with these two things? What, what are these two things about? Well, for one, I think that before you get married to someone, you kind of just think, well, you know, whatever it is about them, that those things are going to change when we get married. (laughs) You know, I don't know why anybody ever thinks that, but I definitely see that. Like, I feel like maybe you're just much more forgiving of a person in your dating time or when you're not married. But when you get married, I feel like you think you have some sort of control over that other person. 
Yeah. Um, because now they're your family. I guess maybe it's similar to having kids. It's like, you know, they're my responsibility. And so all of a sudden, I think because you have responsibility for that other person, you think you have the ability to change them. And mm-hmm. obviously that does not work. <laughs> um, at all, but it is something people fight over a lot. So I always just tell couples, like, if you don't like that about the person while you're dating, don't think that's going to change when you get married or that you can even change it. Cause then you just end up in a battle of wills trying to change one another. Right. Which, you know, and, and again, my, my viewpoint of the biggest challenge of marriage is you are now always have been always will be two different people. Now, how are you going to work, work through that? And so, you know, I mean, and one of the ways I, I jokingly call it Leslie land, where in (laughs) Leslie land, everybody does what I want to want them to do in the way in which I want them to do it in the time frame in which I want them to do it. Right. My problem is I can't get anybody else to buy into Leslie land. But I think, (laughs) I mean, we all kind of want that. And, and, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, my husband, this goes into the fighting over the small things. My husband folds towels the way that his mother folded towels. <laughs> and of course, I fold towels the way that my mother folds towels. Right. So we, and, and those two ways are different, by the way. I mean, they're not the same. And so we could right. argue about how to fold towels. But, and again, it's, it's a scenario. And people it's a scenario. do. But and, and usually it's, well, why are you doing it that way? It's like, does it matter? The towels are folded and put away. Who cares how they're folded? Right. I mean, <laughs> right. But but we get we get spun out by these things. And, and right. And, we like them to be the way that is comfortable to us. And maybe you do have a reason why you fold your towels a certain way. I mean, I know that, you know, they're not going to fit in a cabinet a certain mm-hmm. way. That's why I folded it that way. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, when it comes to your spouse, you have to just let them do the thing that is unique to them or what they like on stuff like that. The small things I'm telling you, like the small things will drive you crazy. Those are I I feel like people get divorced over small things all the time because they've allowed it to just pile up. Right. Or the small things are actually an indicator of something else. I have a. um he and I have actually never met in person, but I started reading his blog. Um, and the very first blog that I ran across of his was, you know, he got, you know, the, the reason why he got divorced was because he left dishes in the sink. And I got him <laughs> and I said, that is not the reason you got divorced. Although no. that's what, that's what they were fighting about. But that's not I me mean, because again, you know, if the way I look at it is if, you know, if, if something is just annoying to you, can you, you know, can you just let it go? But if it's, if it's deeper than that, then what is this about? And, and in this particular case, it was about um, her not feeling like her, like her wants and needs were being respected. Right. <laughs> and, and he's just looking at it like it's a glass in the sink. What is the big deal? But that was, you know, but again, so sometimes it's right. not we- small things. We say that around here all the time. We have this joke. It's not about the socks mm-hmm. because in my house, <laughs> my husband would leave his socks by his bed every uh-huh. night uh-huh. or whatever. And uh, I would 
pick up those socks every day and put them in the hamper. And it really bothered me. Mm -hmm. And I finally, after a long time, realized that what was bothering me was because I was the one who was home all day and the main household manager. I really was taking this as him leaving socks for me to pick up Mm -hmm. or his glass by his chair at night or whatever. That was actually the issue. It was never about the socks or a glass in the sink versus on the counter or whatever. We still have this fight, by the way. Should the dishes go sink or on the counter? Um, We do. Mm -hmm. But when you realize that those small things really, it's about something else. Mm -hmm. That's why you can't let it go. And when I finally verbalized that, First of all, I realized, you know, hey, that's not why he's doing it. And secondly, he realized how terrible he was about this because the socks just started piling up when I quit picking them up. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because because what because what he was discovering, there was a magic sock fairy. Right. Right. right? And this is what I you know, and I talk to people. It's like, well, you know, and, and, and one partner will say, well, I have to do this. I said, who says? Or they right. say, well, if I don't do it, it won't get done. It's like okay, you know, and, but if you, if you honestly can't live with that, you just have to take that on yourself. So I was telling this Mm -hmm. to my husband the other day and my kids, even, um, like I come downstairs every day and I straighten pillows on the couch. Everyone else leaves them a mess. It does not bother anyone else. It bothers Mm -hmm. me. And instead of like making it an issue with the people in my home or with my husband, I just say, it's on me. It bothers me. I'm going to fix it. I'm not going to demand everybody else fix it for me. Well, and the interesting thing is, 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 is that if, cause I, I do the same thing. I look at it the same way. So, but if you're taking, but if, but if all of this stuff is bothering you, then there may be some other reason that's like, okay, let's sit back and think about what that is. Cause I yeah, joke, well, um, the only person who I will voluntarily let do the grocery shopping is my daughter because I taught her how to do it <laughs> because I'm, because I am, I mean, you know, people go, well, Oh, don't you, don't you use like the, you know, the ordering and having a, I said, no, because I'm so picky about my produce. I won't let anybody else do it. And so I, oh, take, that, I, I take that on, you know, and I'm perfectly fine with it. It's like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, other, other stuff I won't take on. Um, but, but, you know, but that is something that matters to me. So it's like, well, okay, I'm happy to, you know, it's my deals, but, but I think that's that thing of trying to get other people to care about something the same way that you do, which, you know, it's like, they just, that, you know, like just talking about the pillows on the couch, they may not even see the pillows on the couch or they see them, but it's like, yeah, it's no big deal. You know, no company, nobody's coming over. We we're not right. We're going to sit on these couches tonight and rearrange these pillows in order to sit on them. And I'm like, okay, but I want it to look right during the day when no one's using it. Right, right. And and like I said, and if if there's so many things that that are coming up, then I think that it's helpful to take a look at. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with marriage blogger Keely Reason about common mistakes couples make when they get married. And if any of these are resonating with you, guess what? You're not alone, but you can be someone that tackles them in a productive way so that they don't derail your marriage. And if you would like to do that, I can help. So I invite you to take a moment and send me an email 
or give me a call and schedule your Create Your Happily Ever After discovery session. You can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463. Or you can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, and coaching, and as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com. And now I want to get back to these other common challenges um, or mistakes that couples make. And so two other things that you talk about, Keely, is forgetting to check in with each other and not giving each other space. Now, these seem to be kind of contradictions. So what exactly should be happening in terms of this um, being, being individuals, but also being part of a team? Right. I mean, yeah, I understand maybe it's seeming like a little bit of a contradiction, but there is a difference. I mean, mm-hmm. for one, I think checking in with your spouse, I mean, this can look like a lot of ways. This can be like, I'm going to run by the store on the way home and you forgot to check in with them. Or it could be checking to see how they're feeling. How are mm. they doing? Um, checking in with your spouse just has a lot of connotations, but ultimately you're just trying to keep them in the loop and stay in the loop yourself. Whatever that looks like. And I think especially if you have been living a single life for a long time, this is kind of easy to do. It's kind of easy to forget to check in with your spouse and find out what their plans are, how they're feeling, what their thoughts are, even how their own day is going. Uh, Because you you probably haven't had to check in with anybody in a long time, right? Because you're a right. grown up and you're living on your own. Uh-huh. Um, so I think those check ins ha- are really really important. As far as giving them space, though, this is allowing like not being on their tail all day about everything. Uh-huh. Like every five minutes, where are you now? When are you coming? <laughs> home? Will you ever? You know. <laughs> um. I think that is also frustrating because, again, let's just remember we're adults. And if you wouldn't like this action towards you as a grown up, they're not going to like it either. Um, and as, and giving space is another thing. If you ask your spouse what's wrong, how you know, and they aren't ready to talk to you about it. I really I know it's easy to take offense to that. Mm-hmm. And I know it's hurtful, but it's not personal. Well, and that's such an important thing because, again, you, we, we don't do things the same way. And, and sometimes people, I call them digesters, where they need to take information and go away and let it all filter through before yeah. they can come back with their thoughts and feelings about it. And then there are other people, more like me, who think really fast on their feet and you know, yeah. my husband, my husband happens to be a digester. So we, there's this ebb and flow of a conversation, um, that he's not good. He, he doesn't process information the same way I do, which is fine. That's not, <laughs> I mean, that's not a problem. Sometimes it's kind of like, Oh, that's really interesting. But, but you know, but other people will get really upset. It's like, cause I want to talk about it right now. And this is especially oh, yeah. true if. There's a there's a difficult subject and you're ready to talk about it right now and and you do the dreaded five words, honey, we need to talk um, <laughs> or four words, I guess, however many words that is. But um, but 
you know, and they're and and they have no idea you've been thinking about this, and then you want to have this you know, resolution discussion where they don't even they aren't even prepared for it, and then of course it all goes into the ditch, and and, oh, yeah. and everybody gets really upset because they don't understand this is just a difference in communication style. Yeah, I would say that you know my husband and I in our first years. I was the person who needed to give the space because mm-hmm. he was the one that needed to really think through things before giving answers or whatever. But I kind of wanted the answer right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've been together for a long time now, so this isn't really an issue anymore. But when I think back to early on, I mean, like if we had a fight or if we had an argument or we had something we were dealing with, I wanted it to be resolved like Mm-hmm. immediately. And mm-hmm. I wanted him to get over it and talk to me or do whatever. And he was just not able to do that. Right. And, and that's not, and it doesn't mean he doesn't care or anything. It just means I, he cares I, a lot. Right. He doesn't want to come in and like, you know, right. And bad, terrible things. Me on the other hand, I'm just like spurting out things that just come off wrong anyway, because <laughs> I didn't think it through. Right. But but I also love this forgetting to check in with each other because I think that's a lot of times because and I love the way that you define the forget the checking in is just on a daily basis how you doing what's going on you know um, there you know my husband was went through this thing not very long ago at work where there was a lot of staff turnover and he was very stressed out about it so you know I would I I wouldn't you know, give him the third degree when, about it, but I, you just go, you know, Hey, how's that going? It's it, cause it's just right. an acknowledgement of, Hey, I heard you. I know this is important to you and I'm just, and I'm, you know, Hey, I'm here. And, you know, and, and sometimes my husband would go like, yeah, thanks. Thanks. But I don't want to think about it right now. It's like, okay, no worries. <laughs> but the other reason it's important is if you think your spouse is being like, I don't know, cold towards you or upset with you or whatever. And you check in with them and find out, like you were saying, they were having the worst stressful day. Then you realize, oh, it's really, it's actually not me. Right. You know, I'm not really the recipient of this. Right. And, and, but, but there's, but, but that's, and, you know, that's what people do. They assume. And we all know what happens when you assume. You assume, right? Right. I mean, it's like, I'm telling myself this story that my partner is mad at me or upset with me. And then I'm responding, reacting to that before I actually even check. No, maybe they just don't feel well. Maybe, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe they're just under stress. It does, you know, and, and then we go, oh, okay. That's not about me. Um, you know, and we can, and we can move on. I Absolutely. do. In our last few minutes, I'd really like to address the final two um, mistakes you talk about, which is, and this is a biggie, detaching from families of origin, and then also forgetting to keep dating. So, um, why why are these mistakes? Well, I tell you what, um, I love. You know, we love our families and everything, Mm -hmm. but we basically immediately moved out of the area. And I think it was so helpful for us because I saw a lot of couples struggle with this where Mm -hmm. they were just still acting as though they were still part of their family unit. Right. And so it caused a lot of struggles over holidays. Well, whose house do we go to? And, you know, whatever. We we didn't have to battle a lot of this because we moved out of the area. So mm-hmm. it made it made a lot of that way easier. 
And, but I saw a lot of people struggle with this because the parents were still treating the children as though they were their children. And the other spouse is mad about this because that's your son or daughter. Now it's my spouse or Mm -hmm. whatever. And there's so many issues that come from not really leaving your family and building a new family. And I, I got to tell you, I'm sure it's very hard if you live in the town where you're, where you were born uh-huh. or where your family lives. I don't, because we moved away, I didn't have to, but I can tell you, I know I felt the draw. Um, and I'm pretty sure that my family would have been up in my business had we <laughs> been living there. Well, they're yeah. amazing and I love them. I'm glad that that's the case. But at the same time, it was good to put distance for both of us. Well, I mean, <laughs> and it, and, you know, and it, and it is because, you know, I, I tell people and if they've done the traditional marriage vows of forsaking all others, I tell them oh, that's your family. <laughs> I mean, and that doesn't mean you don't, that doesn't mean that you don't still interact with them, but your alliance needs to shift to your partner and that the two of you, you know, need to be this unit, you know, when, when you're talking, because, you know, and then, and then you, like you said, I mean, you if you live nearby and somebody's all up in your business, because that's the other thing that can happen is not having a boundary so that I'm sharing things about my marriage and my partner with my family that then doesn't necessarily put my partner in a, in a good light. Absolutely. I think that's probably one of the worst things you can do is use your parents or siblings as a confidant Mm -hmm. because they still have to have like family gatherings with that person. And I'm not saying share nothing and I'm not saying don't share if there are problems or whatever, but I think you still have to be very careful. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to blindside them, but at the same time, you don't want to make your family hate your spouse. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, there's a problem. So, but I also do want to talk about the importance of date, of keeping to date, because I think that that's, I mean, I, you know, sometimes I'll talk with, I I actually had a client years ago and their, their child was seven years old and they had never gone anywhere. Really? Without, you know. Without that child, I'm going. Oh my gosh! It's like no. (laughs) And then, and then they wondered why they had nothing in common anymore. Um, So, so what is what's your perspective on on continuing to date? What does that look like for you? I mean, when you talk to people about this. So for me, you know, dating was really, really important to me because I was raised to see that that's what my parents did. My dad Mm -hmm. worked out of town most of my life. So my parents went on a date every single Saturday night that he was home. Um, And they usually went away for at least a week, a year, Mm -hmm. um, you know, out of town and got hotel or whatever. And it was just really instilled in me that my parents were like, one day y'all will move out and you will not be here. And we want to make sure we still have a relationship. So yep. it was modeled for me. Mm-hmm. And we obviously, my husband and I, we dated, you know, mm-hmm. before we got married. And that was important and priority. But when we got married, we were like, let's not stop doing this. Because it was modeled for me. Now, dating has taken a lot of different shapes and sizes over the years. Because when our kids were babies and stuff, we really mm-hmm. didn't have child care. 
So that was a lot of at-home date nights. Which, which is important to know that, that you can still have a date and never yeah. leave your house. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, during pandemic, even this past year, my husband and I had a date night in the car. We just watched a movie in our van. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because, you know, everything was shut down mm-hmm. and we would do date nights in like the par- We would go somewhere and grab food and eat in the car. We had mm-hmm. multiple car dates. But it's important because you need to stop being mom and dad for a little bit and just be a couple. That is really important for you, not just as a parent, but as a grown up. You know, like, right? You, you need to do grown up things and get to walk away from your responsibilities. And I always say dating is like, you know, having a mini getaway with your spouse, mm-hmm. like they are your your break. And so when we go on dates, we have rule, like we're not going to talk about our kids and we're not going to talk about our business and we're Mm -hmm. not going to talk about what happened responsibility wise. So we are really big on like conversation starters and things like that, because we want to use this time to just be in a relationship. And I'm going to tell you, it is very hard to not talk about all the responsibilities, especially if you haven't spoken to each other for the last few days, because things got but it's very, very important that on your dates, you're doing date things. And I always try to, even now we've been married over 18 years now, every time we get ready to go on a date, um, I just put myself in that frame of mind and think about what did we do when we were teenagers? Mm -hmm. What did we do when we were dating, you know, during our dating years and stuff, let's recreate that. And, and I love it because, because my rule, when I, when I talk to clients about this, I said, the, the sole purpose of dating is to go have fun. It's not to yeah. dissect, you know, it's not to talk about the kids. It's not to dissect your relationship. <laughs> it's not to, you know, it's not to sit in a restaurant and be on your phones. I mean, it's actually to interact and have fun together because that's what keeps the spark going. Yeah, it's so funny about the phones because, you know, we've been together before phones was even a thing, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, we only keep it out when we have to like check in on the kids, but we are like no phones at, at date time either. Right. So, I mean, and, and so Keely, it, these are all really good um, places for couples to focus, but I also want to, you know, so where can they learn more because you are a marriage blogger. So where, where can they find more about um, your wisdom? Well, my website is lovehopeadventure.com. And I blog over there a couple times a week. We have a podcast. And also, um, the best way to keep up with what's going on is to subscribe to our newsletter. You just go to lovehopeadventure.com slash newsletter. And when you sign up, I'll send you a free sexy truth or dare bedroom game, which is great uh, (laughs) for people that, you know, especially if you've been married for a while. Mm-hmm. And then every week I just send out, here's my latest blogs and podcasts. And I also do a lot of um, answers to questions in that newsletter. So mm-hmm. that is, that's been really important. A lot of anonymous questions. It just gives people the ability to ask questions that they don't feel comfortable asking anybody else. Well, that's terrific. So guys go to that website, sign up for the blog. Cause I'm going to tell you, it's a lot of good information because creating a strong foundation for your marriage is essential if it's not only going to survive, but actually thrive and still be, you know, 
you're connected years later. So the sooner that you get that foundation set, the easier and more joyful your marriage will be. So the question to ask is what parts do you have and what still needs some work? And hopefully one of the things that you will do to help you build your foundation is to continue to listen to this show. So until next week, stay loving.